All right, ready? Ready. <clears throat> oh shit, we got no cold opener. Mm. Uh, eh. Okay, we'll use that as the opener. Okay. <laughs> Back to the bin. And welcome to Back to the Bins. Today is a very special day because Paul's not here. Yay! Paul's not here. Paul's not here. It's just me, myself, and Gene. Hello, everyone. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good at the moment. All right. Yeah, Gene and I have not podcasted in a while because uh, I wasn't Life. here the last time you weren't here and... And no, we haven't pod faded on anime freaks, although people may think that. It'll come back eventually. Give it time. That's at some point, you know, it's things happen. So You've been busy, I've been busy. You've <laughs> been hit by cars. I've been falling asleep trying not to hit cars. So but things are working out better. Yes. Things are on the upswing. Yes. So So we're here tonight on a Sunday evening. We decided to get together and we're, we're gonna talk some funny books. Because yeah. nobody else is around, and uh, we got to build up these shows. So, tonight, uh, not really a theme, just a regular old bring bring, bring a book show. I know lately we've, we've been doing a lot of themes here and there, but uh, this is just a good old, let's see what I got, let's see what you got, and let's just have some fun. All right. So, uh, I don't really think we have any, any comic news. I think we I've been blabbing about that the past few shows, about what I've been collecting, what I'm not, and this and that, so... Uh, Gene, and, but, had, allow, allow me to congratulate you on completing probably the best run of comics you have ever done, Quasar. Oh yes, you know how? Oh, that's right, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. Because Paul was saying something. I'm like, oh, Quasar was like three issues. Oh, Gene's getting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you know, it took. Quasar lasted for five years. It was really hard to find. Uh, the last one I found was one of the last issues, and it's the one that has the quote-unquote flash on the cover. Oh yes, burned alien is how he referred. Is referred yeah, to. so it, it was where there's a cosmic race. It was like one of the last few because apparently, as it was getting towards the end of its print run, they weren't printing as many copies, and then plus uh, with the other speedsters in there, uh, it made it kind of you know hard to find. Yeah. So yeah, it's when I went through like an entire two long boxes of Quasar books. To look for one issue, and I'm like, God, I'm like, come on, man, it's not here. <laughs> so then I told the guy that owned the store, which man, it's this store is awesome. I think, I mean, you've heard me mention it, Missouri. Comics. Yeah, the, the one that's open like three days a week for three six days hours a week for shot. six hours, and I gotta schedule my day to come by there on the way home from work and have some cash in hand and and dig through some boxes and find books for a dollar, and then. If I can't find it, I'm like, hey, what do you got? And he's like, oh, I'll give you this for two bucks. I'll give you this for three bucks. I'll give you this for five bucks. Okay, fine, great, super, out the door. <laughs> yeah, so. I've, I've been going a little bit further afield than that um, just because I'm not just trying to collect the issues of Quasar. I'm trying to collect every appearance that Quasar has ever made. Mm. 
So that gets a little interesting, especially like when I was at Baltimore Comic-Con, I got a few books and it's like, okay, this is a, a, a four book. Flip through it. Yes. Quasar's here for a panel. <laughs> mm. Okay. But it counts. I had a crazy idea of doing that for the Avengers, but then I was like, nah. You'd go just, nuts. Just shut up, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Just... If you just work on other things, you might eventually just get that anyway. Yeah, so. Right, that that's a byproduct. That's not a goal. You know, because then do you say, well, Captain America was an Avenger. Do I need to get every issue of Captain America? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Iron Man was an Avenger. Eh, right. You know. Yeah, so. at, at least, you know, I, can, I have a, a more narrow focus there. Yeah. So, yes, yep, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, so good, good. You're you you've got a goal, and I've still got goals that I'm working on he, here and there. So, um, so I guess yeah, we'll just dive right in. Um, All right to the first book tonight, which uh, oh, and the Chinese laundry is finished. My dryer stopped running. Good timing. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I brought a good old gold key Star Trek book tonight. A independent. This is going to be fun. People are like, what? <laughs> Dr. Bill didn't bring a Marvel? <laughs> and he found his own book. And guess what, people? I did my own synopsis. Oh, wait, wait. Come back. Where are you going? Wait. <laughs> no, he did it. it. It's not a. It's not it's, him reading the book. Calm it's, down. It's not a con synopsis, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but speaking of Star Trek, um, I do another show that is uh, Star Trek in Nature. Uh, listen to the Prophets. If any of you do not listen to that, we cover Deep Space Nine, and we just did a show about Star Trek Discovery. And I was wondering, Gene, have you watched any episodes of Star Trek Discovery? Maybe the one that was on CBS. I have not. Ah, okay. And it's because of the couple of the reasons that you guys mentioned in that Listen to the Prophets episode. Mm -hmm. I, I am detail oriented. I am a Star Trek fan. I have read cover to cover the uh, original Franz Joseph technical manual. If oh, this... I've got that. Uh, the, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's the one about all the original series, ships, technology. They even has the UFP charter in there. Mm -hmm. If things don't cleave to that, I tend to get an issue, especially when it is set very close to the original series timeline. Like, for example... People wearing the Enterprise arrowhead symbol, but they're not crew of the Enterprise. Yeah. It gets to me, you know? Especially when they're saying, oh, well, we've got fans on board and they're technical. No, they're not. That's a very, very simple detail to get right, and you didn't. So, for my blood pressure, I am avoiding it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've been, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, because I also watched just just today you had put a link on Facebook about uh, your own series that you were yes. involved in Tales of the Seventh Fleet uh, it was a it was your guys sequel to the Doomsday Machine yep which bravo to you yeah that but you see that what we were trying to do with that series other than promote ourselves the whole the whole point of Tales of the Seventh Fleet was a promotional tool for the fan club mm-hmm but we were going about it because it's set after the beginning of Star Trek Generation. So Kirk is gone. Right. But it's movie era. We're in the Monster Maroons, etc. We're trying to bridge the gap. Or we're trying. We haven't done them however many years. Uh, 
between the movie era and next gen. So you'll notice things. If we did three videos, and you'll notice on the ship, my especially in Return to Doomsday, my character hit his insignia as a comm badge. Mm. But if they're off the ship, they have to use a communicator. Because the comm badge is great internal, but doesn't have the range yet to to do ship to planet. Gotcha. So we, this is the detail stuff I'm talking about, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or, for example, the communications officer is a android from the episode I Mud. Yeah, I caught that because at first I'm looking at her and, and I'm thinking... And, and then I realized, oh, wait a minute, she's she's got a number four on it. Now, was she supposed to be one of Harry Mudd's wives? No. Oh, okay, no. I wasn't she, sure. The The backstory to that character is she was an android that the Vulcan scientists took back to the Science Academy to study. Because advanced androids, we need to learn about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's why she has the Vulcan hairdo and everything. Oh, see, that's what, I couldn't quite remember what... Um... Oh, what was his wife's name? I can't remember what his wife. Stella. Was. I, yeah, Stella. I, I couldn't here. remember what 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 Stella's hair looked like, but I thought, yeah, you know, she seems a little cold to be Stella because Stella was very vocal. No, she, she went. Uh, he has Vulcan-like programming. Gotcha. But if you notice, she's in an enlisted person's uniform. I did notice that, and her name was Enigma, an was it not? Enigma yeah. is why she has the number four on her collar because that's the number of wheels the Enigma machine had. Oh, I thought it was because she was. It was a question, like she was, you know, like an enigma, like she was no. one of a, like one of a kind, like she was, you know, unexplained, like she that, broke from her regular programming. But, but that was just just yeah. from watching that one. You know, that was my own thoughts going off around. Yeah, but she, she's more or less, she's not an officer, so she didn't go to the academy. Therefore, Data is still the first android to go to Starfleet Academy. Hmm. I see. So it works. You know, we, we yeah. think about these. <laughs> yeah, then you definitely don't want to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there was things that I was watching going like, mm, I'm just going to let it go. Mm, okay, they didn't have that technology yet. Mm, yeah, okay, he shouldn't be doing that. Mm, all right, all right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's why I got so annoyed with Enterprise, because one, one of the main things, one of the best episodes ever of Star Trek is Balance of Terror, where they meet the Romulans for the first time. And mm -hmm. Spock has a line in there about how no one has seen a Romulan because there was no visual ship-to-ship -ship communication yet. Right? So <laughs> Enterprise is set before the Romulan War. What's one of the first things they show in the first episode? Visual ship-to-ship -ship communication. Well, maybe the Romulans just didn't have visual ship-to-ship -ship communications. Except that they do because they run across Romulans later. They well, no, see, because that's because that's because um, because we were using VHS and they were using beta. <laughs> Not compatible. Um, yeah. But, yeah, th that's why I'm not watching Discovery, because I am that fan. Well, one other one other um, Star Trek thing before I jump into my book uh, that you may, you, I don't know, I, I'm sure you, I don't know if we've talked about this, is uh, Star Trek Continues. The I've seen some of those, yes. Okay, there's only going to be 11 made because of the ruling that came down because of right. the Annexar movie with the fan production, which yeah. I guess would actually affect you as well. 
at this point? Pretty much because uh, it's really you're got... you're not allowed to make a profit from it like those guys supposedly did. Yeah, well, um, we we never did. Uh, right. The 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 main thing that would have affected us is the length. It's like you can't it, an episode cannot be more than fifteen minutes or something. Right, and then and it can't you can't string along in uh you can't keep a storyline going apparently now too. Right, so but apparently our, that doesn't affect audio productions is what I've also heard because I listen to Star Trek Outpost and I guess they're still going strong and they're not fully affected by it. Yeah, but, because I I'm not sure why that is, but I don't care. <laughs> right, because <laughs> I because I really like Star Trek Outpost. I don't yeah. know if you listen. I that's on my list to listen. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, yeah, I uh, discovered that years ago from one of our uh, the people on Two True Freaks. I believe it was Robert Bell, and mm-hmm. uh, it got me through my kidney stone oh, operation nice. recovery. Uh, the, I was just lay, laying in bed in pain, just listening to the podcast, just trying to concentrate on that and keep my mind off pain. Well, pain. the chamber I'll, of the ages. Oh, sorry. I'll put it this way. Uh, it. You're right. It, it's not. It wouldn't affect audio productions, and it may or may not happen. But there is currently a setup on the Two True Freaks website for a Tales of the Seven Fleet audio series. Ooh. We don't have anything in production yet because it's you know everyone has lives. Yeah. <laughs> but we may end up going back to the concept. And just doing it as an audio series. Oh, well, I'll be happy to lend my talents as Mr. Yep. T is Mr. Spock like I did in Await. In that <laughs> well, uh, we may be calling on podcasters to do some, some additional voices. We, I pity to poo. <laughs> <laughs> Hi-ho, Stan here. Stan here. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but what I was saying about Star Trek Continues is that uh, they're wrapping up after 11 issues and uh, episodes, and the 10th one just came out, and I really think you should uh, you should catch up on the, on the series, because it, it kind of brings Star Trek as a whole full circle back to where it started in its five-year oh. mission. Uh, okay. That's all I'm going to say. Um, the, it just, the 10th episode came out on October 18th. And the one previous to that came out sometime in July. So I would imagine before the end of the year, we're going to get part two, and it'll be the end of their series. Uh, Vic McNogna, who uh, some people say I seem to have an unnatural fascination with. But to, <laughs> but to me, he is the best the best faux Kirk okay. uh, there is, because he's got the look, he's got the sideburns, he's got the build, he's got the mannerisms down. He is the best. I, I tell you, I think he's awesome. So... I'll, and, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, one that I and it suggest- is chock full of of old retro and some new uh, like eighties sci fi guest stars. I was watching the one today, and I'm looking at this woman, going, "I know this woman. <laughs> I know this woman. Who is this woman?" And then at the end, it says her name is Nic- Nicola Bryant, and I'm like, "I still know this woman, but I don't know her name." <laughs> so <laughs> I. I I look her name up, and of course, if Shag happens to be listening to this, he's going to go, "You idiot! How could you not know who that was?" She is. She was um, uh, Perry on Doctor Who. Oh, the hot one. The okay. hot one, yeah, because she's still kind of hot, even though she's a little older. I'm looking at her, going, "Man, I know this woman. I know this woman." And there was one episode where Lou Ferrigno played an Orion space pirate. Oh, <laughs> green skin and all. So. He... <laughs> I'm gonna guess. No, no offense to the the guys listening. 
Well, I'm going to guess that he he looked better as an Orion pirate than the three guys we had as Orion pirates. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Although I I have to say that uh, the the cap the Orion pirate captain played by uh, Stephen Bonacore was actually really really good. Uh, that that was in our third episode, A Touch of Home, also on Vimeo. If anyone wants to look it up. Mm-hmm. This has been a paid commercial announcement. <laughs> So yeah, they've they they've they've had uh, Gil Gerard was on there, uh, Colin Baker who played the oh. Sixth Doctor was on right. there, uh, John Delancey who played Q was on there, Joe June's and Lockhart June Lockhart's daughter uh, oh, was okay. on the episode. Uh, yes, a lot of people, a lot of stars are on there that you may or may not know. I I would highly recommend it. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll I'll. Carve out some time to watch those because I said I've seen a they couple. They are of... about forty-five minutes each, so they're, yeah, they are actual episodes, full length, length at full length, at, at, yeah, bleh, episodes. And the first one is like a, like a pilgrim, oh, something a pilgrim of, and basically it has the god Apollo returns, and it's the same actor, the original actor. Yeah, that he's, one I've seen, and they they make they explain why he's older. They explain why he's really old. Young. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 good. It's good. I. Highly recommend it. But all right, that's enough promotion for everybody else. Let's uh, let's let's cover my book. Okay. All right, I have got Gold Key Comics Star Trek issue number nine from February of nineteen seventy one. Colorful price was fifteen cents. I doubt you could get it for that now. <laughs> I they checked may have on... to pay you fifteen cents to take it. No, I checked, and there was like some things on eBay, and other things were going for like ten bucks. Oh. Well, this is, and uh, you may have gotten your copy the same way I got mine. The CD of all the oh yeah, Star I bought Trek that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, on all, there. Yep, all 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 the different iterations and series of comics. I bought that like when Circuit City was going out of business. It was like like ten <laughs> bucks. I'm like sold. So, uh, and the writer was actually Len Wein. Who I actually believe uh, recently passed away, if I remember yes, correctly. The, the yes, the late great Len Wein. The late great L- Len Wein. And the artist was Alberto Giolitti. Not really familiar with his work. No, me neither. Seems like he was probably probably did a lot of like classic illustrated things or something. Because a lot of these historical quote-unquote figures in here look pretty accurate. Pretty so, spot on, yeah. Yeah, so, but we'll get to that. So, uh, the title, uh, the... Uh, the cover has uh, – it's actually a still shot from um, Amok Time because Spock is wearing his little sweater scarf around his waist. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Yeah. And um, up in the inset to the left, we have Kirk in a black and white, probably still shot – well, obviously it's still shot. And he's uh, got it – he's got the communicator open. And below that, it says, George Washington is alive and well. Watch out, Mr. Spock. What? Yeah. I... Yeah. <laughs> So, the title of our story is The Legacy of Lazarus. And um, the opening um, splash page, and then I'll get to the story proper, uh, is like one of those ones that's like something that's going to happen later in the book, but it's kind of put here now. So, it's kind of told out of out of sequence. And basically, you have the entire landing party surrounded by Napoleon Bonaparte, Abe Lincoln... Uh, Nero, Roman soldiers, Florence Nightingale, Helena Troy, uh, George Washington, Henry VIII, and they're all carrying sticks, and they're going to beat the crap out of 
our crew <laughs> in the middle. And you're like, what? So, yeah, we'll get there. <clears throat> the Enterprise nears planet Gamma Alpha 5. This is Gamma Alpha 5. Thank you. I'm sorry, I don't know what came over. I don't know either. I, that's why I had to pause, because if you didn't say it, I would. <laughs> Expecting to find an uninhabited Class M planet, instead, readings indicate that it is. it has a city of great size with life forms. Upon beam down, they explore the city and meet one of one of uh, one of the people, George Washington. Huh? Later they go to his residence and meet his wife, Helen of Troy. Huh? Huh? Thinking that this is a ruse, Kirk questions George, but all he recalls is being on the planet as long as he remembers, wanting for nothing. Oh, and by the way, I can't go near that big silver spire in the center of the city. Kirk sends Spock and Sulu over to check out the spire, where George takes, while George takes the rest around to meet a few other citizens, Nero, Abe, and Anton York, who was the 45th president of the United States, who would actually be Donald Trump. And, and this, it looks like Donald Trump cosplaying somebody. Because, and we're going to stop for a second, because <laughs> the picture in 1971 that somebody drew, the guy has orange hair. And the facial features look spot on. Yeah, it's really scary considering when this book was done. And if I could figure out how to cut and paste this later whenever this is posted. Yeah, it looks like, you know, Donald Trump doing a Buck Rogers cosplay. Because obviously we don't wear long red capes with purple outfits. But I'm telling you, it was very... I, I When I read this, I actually had to send you a message and go, Oh my God, <laughs> you got to go to this page and look at the guy on this page. Oh, it's scary. So, anyway, back to the story. <clears throat> McCoy thinks they are in heaven until Kirk spots Adolf Hitler and Hermann Goring. <laughs> Kirk attempts to contact Spock and Sulu after a brief search where, where they find Sulu knocked out lying in the street and Spock nowhere to be found. As he is miles below the surface being held by Alexander Lazarus, a Earth historian who had left Earth after being humiliated humiliated, but took his android assistance and came to Gamma Alpha 5. This is Gamma Alpha 5. Oh, there, they built the spire and were able to record the thoughts of historical figures throughout history. Okay. Wow. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation... Wait, sorry, sorry, <laughs> no, no. Then an accident caused the androids to become the actual figures from history because he must have had the mad thinkers adaptoids hellify now. I don't know. Don't ask me. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that later. Science! They built the great city and filled it with figures from history, but now Lazarus is bored, and he wants to collect Vulcan figures because he has to complete his action figure collection. And for that, he needs something. Spock's brain. In part one. So, do we want to talk about part one a little bit? Uh, yeah, let, let's, let's okay. talk about part one. Yeah, yeah because wow. the book is actually broken up into part one and part two. So, uh, yeah, um, I didn't know Flame shot out of the back of the Enterprise. Uh, that's a, <laughs> something that a lot of comic... I mean, do. it's pretty It's pretty damn cool looking. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. I mean, it's the nacelles look like they're propelling the Enterprise, which, okay, I, I, I can kind of give you that. They're supposed to be engines. Uh, but, 
the the main thing about this is wow the um apparently the bridge is the only room on the entire ship <laughs> because they turn around and they, they they're right at the transporter well no they were just you know cutting uh they were just shortening things up you know no no, no. wait wait until part two. <laughs> oh, i i must have missed it <laughs> yeah uh now unlike some of the earlier comics uh specifically the ones used for power records where Uhura was a blonde Caucasian woman and Sulu was a black guy. Uh, the the likenesses in this are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. Kirk's is not that good. It's, yeah, Kirk's isn't, isn't terrific. I mean, sometimes it's okay, but a lot of times, and yeah. The color and, scheme's a little off, too. Yeah, and uh, Scotty is completely off. Oh, off. Scotty doesn't look like, he looks like, yeah, he looks like an Irishman. Yeah. Instead of a Scotsman. And McCoy is apparently in the command division now, because he's wearing a yellow shirt. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's an interesting topic, you know, a story idea. Uh, but like like you said, the, the idea that the androids, suddenly as one android, is hit with... Uh, bombardment from the computer and gets all Benjamin Franklin's memories. I can buy that. I can buy that. I can't buy that he immediately turns into the likeness of Benjamin Franklin complete (laughs) with the clothing. Well, that's because he had the adaptoids because all his androids had, you know, no mouth, uh, not even like a real nose. They just had the outline of a human. So they were uh, silly putty people. Yeah. I don't uh, know. But yeah. now, in, answer me this: This Lazarus is—he is not the Lazarus. This is a guy. No, named... No, no, no. He's just a guy named. Yeah. He's so he—he not... yeah. he supposedly has been on this planet for ten uh, years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least no more than ten years, because they found they discovered the planet ten years ago. Right, with, with a probe. the robot probe. Yeah, yeah. So they they came out to scope out the planet and find all. Lazarus has set up shop with his big machine that somehow records people's memories on from punch space. cards. Space on punch cards. On punch cards. Do you have any idea how many punch cards it would take? Yeah. I I've I've known people that used to program computers with punch cards. A simple program would take boxes of them. And he's recording people's yeah, entire but, lives. But if you think, I mean, if you think of 1971 and the whole concept of this, though. Well, in 1971, it's pretty, they, pretty, they still had magnetic tape. <laughs> yeah, know? but the whole thought that, you know, you could record all these and transfer them to an Android and make a, like a perfect duplicate of someone. Is, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty out there idea. Well, it was in the episode "What Are Little Girls Made Of?" Mm. Oh yeah, you know, tired of your tired of your half breed interference, Mister Spock. <laughs> Spinning around in that circle, make me want to vomit and rock. <laughs> but I, I have survival cancels programming. That was the equation. I half expected Spock. When Lazarus said, I want your brain to look at him and say, what, you too? Been there, done that. Get in I, line, buddy. God damn it. 
Spock just said brain. What is brain? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just find it interesting that. Well, I mean, actually, that would have been a great spot for a commercial yeah. because Spock could have turned and looked at the camera, just like the time when Kirk was, uh, Kirk was, um, uh, when he was on the, the Air Force base, and the guy's like, "I'm gonna lock you up for two hundred years," and. That should Kirk, just be about that just ought to be <laughs> just about right. So Spock could have just turned and looked at the camera, and you know, and and you know, he's like, "I need your brain," and he, you know, Spock would just turn and look and go, oh, "Here we go again." Yeah, but apparently, Robo Spock, Harry Mud, his mode of dress was, according to this, the norm. I always thought he was outlandish. Yeah. Yeah, because this guy looks like a, you know, like a like a cosplayer. Yeah, he's got the the puffy sleeves. He's got puffy sleeves. And he's, and, but he's got a knife and he's got a he's got some type of looks like he's got blades from a mixer hanging from his neck. Like a mixing <laughs> bowl, even though it's like some type of elaborate cord for his cape over the back it, of his shoulders. It's it's you know what it looks like? Remember the Carol Burnett show where they're doing uh, Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind? Yeah. <laughs> he put the drapes down and made that into his cape. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And apparently the phasers now look like six guns because they have the holsters strapped to their side. He's got, yeah, he's got a leather holster and it looks like a Buck Rogers phaser. Yeah. Well, we'll see that in part two. I got some comments about that too but a lot of the of the historical figures look look pretty good you know you've got um there's another big crowd shot where you had you could see winston churchill uh cleopatra um a lot of people walking around napoleon george mm-hmm. washington so it's 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 interesting yeah Although, i mean i don't know why they're wearing belts over their shirts Two, why the crew, I've never seen them wear a belt over their shirt. Except well, in the an- a- animated series where they had those force field things. They, every now and again, when they would have the Type 2 phaser, they would put on this tan belt. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but they didn't oh. wear it over their shirt. No, no, it would be like underneath. Yeah, or, this is over the shirt. I mean, this yeah. is a, strictly a fashion faux pas if i ever yeah. seen one. Yeah, this this looks like they're <laughs> back on the uh, Spectre of the Gun Planet where they've got <laughs> yeah. their gun belts ready to go. Exactly. Except to her, she's apparently not allowed to be armed. Well, she's wearing a dress. So. Yeah, because you know we're sexist. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I guess we'll hop into uh, into part two. Yes, past the stamp and coin collectors and the Al Unser ad. Yes. <laughs> part two. Unfortunately for Spock, once Lazarus scans his brain, Spock will be uh, dead. Above ground, Kirk and company have found a manhole to go search for Spock. But Lazarus sends all of the androids after the crew to stop them. While Kirk fights on the surface against various figures, Spock frees himself and fights with Lazarus with Lazarus and appears to be trying out for the Rockettes with that <laughs> high kick he does in the middle of page 25. <laughs> Through various machinations, Lazarus ends up in the same, t- same machine that he was going to drain Spock's brain. Idiot. <laughs> Maybe he should look where he's running. Because that's exactly what he does, because he just starts running away from Spock, looking over his shoulder. Oh, boop, boop, walks right into the tube, and he is now dead. During the fight, the stray phaser fire 
aka six gun damage the machinery and now the planet will explode what is this the death star <laughs> spock attempts to salvage the data from dr lazarus dr lazarus machinery and contacts scotty to beam out the rest of the crew <laughs> i wrote bean instead of beam well, luckily i didn't screw up oh wait too late once on board kirk orders scotty to engineer something up to beam spock back and of course he does Poof, Spock is back, and the ship escapes before the planet destroys them as well. And uh, and as the the Enterprise uh, screws, you know, uh, yeah, it's got the flames again. This time, the yeah. flames are just really kicking. Well, because uh, they're on warp eight. Yeah. So they got to escape the shockwave as well, as, as well that's coming up. But they ride the shockwave, and then there's a nice little speech that says... Our heritage, this is, of course, uh, you know, Kirk, you know, our heritage is our inspiration bones to reach for things beyond what we can already touch, to dream a greater dream, to climb and unclimb, wait, no, wait, that's Manful and Mancha, and mold it into a, rel into a reality without the thinkers, the planners, the leaders, the doers, without our history to catch us when we fall and set us on our feet again. What has man got left? Smartphones. Okay. <laughs> The end. As the Enterprise streaks through space again with flames coming out of the back of the cells. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but the, the, this is uh, page page 31. This is where the transporter room is at the back of the bridge. <laughs> because they're on the bridge. Oh, Spock, you're right. Spock beams Well, no, up. maybe they just beamed him directly to the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a platform there. You got me. Yeah, you're right. It, but yeah, he like it looks like he's he's stepping through somebody's giant eyeball, or something. It's, it's, it's the it's, the guardian of forever. He just happens to be at the yeah. back of the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Who, who put that there? <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's you know, eh. <laughs> it's a story. It's pretty yeah. wacky. It's yeah. but a lot of these gold keys were like that. Oh yeah, I mean, they they were they were way out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean it's at least it's got. It's got a Star Trek idea, you know? Yeah. It's because they've met Abraham Lincoln. They've met well, you, Apollo. You, you could easily you know? see this. You could eat. This would be a great show to do, an actual show to do, because they could reuse, you know, just like when they went to the Roman planet, and they right. went to the Western, and they went to the Nazi planet. Hey, we need to use the back lot, and uh, we need all the costumes we can get. Yeah, I mean, in this, in this one, the city looks on the futuristic side of things, but if you just make it a Colosseum city, you know, uh, some, yeah, some well, of like, well, like the one with the flying pizza raviolis that stuck to people's backs. Yeah. That one was filmed in like some, uh, um, if I remember correctly, some college, like I think in Texas or, or LA or something. Yeah. Just yeah. You, it that, just, because it had that futuristic look to it. Yeah. You I just mean, go there. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Excuse me if I got the wrong location. I'm not this uber nerd. <laughs> but just a junior uber nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I find it funny, though. It's like, you know, George Washington in part one is saying, yes, we can go anywhere we want, except that giant phallic symbol. <laughs> except a giant silver penis over there. <laughs> See, even has a bulbous head on top. What? <laughs> I don't get it. There's a little barb at the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's... It's a serviceable story. It's it, it it's got the flavor of uh, the original series. 
Spock gets in trouble, has to do something, then he gets so involved in, well, the scientific research, I must save this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, but, and Kirk is telling Scotty, Scotty, you know, I don't care whether you say this is impossible or not. You can do it. And Scotty does it. Yeah. Now, the, the likenesses are all right. I mean, in a lot of places, Kirk looks more like Jeffrey Hunter than William Shatner. Yeah, in some things, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it does kind of mash. It's like a mixed. Yeah, it's Gold Key Enterprise. It's not actual original series Enterprise, where things are just wherever they want to be. But I had a good time reading it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's not. It's not horrible, but yeah. Then then you get then you get to the end where Bill, Bill Engvall is trying to sell you a Daisy rifle. Bill, like, I I I thought that was a young Arlie Ermy. It could be, yeah. But I I was flipping through this. I just I was sitting on the couch reading. I get to that ad. I just turn to Michelle and say, "Does that look like Bill Engvall to you?" <laughs> listen, listen close, and you can almost hear the buffalo. Thunder and heard a history behind the Daisy BB gun, the Buffalo Bill Scout. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, it looks, like, it looks like a real damn gun too. There's it does. Be some plastic on the end or nothing. No, you. Yeah, you'd be in trouble if you were wandering around with that today. Oh, but the ad after that—I don't know if you had one of these. I did. No, no, I. The, I. I saw let me them, tell you how but... dangerous those things are. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened to me. All right. The world's fastest big racers with fantastic gyro power. One quick pull revs power wheel up to 20,000 RPMs. All right. Ah, that could hurt. Yeah, I don't think it's that fast. No, that's not what hurt. Okay. All, all, although you, that, that thing had like a, if you look at some of those pictures, and actually the one that's at the top of the ad, I had that exact model. The blue one? The blue one with the fins in the front, mm-hmm. the fins in the back, and the fin on the top, and the big wheel in the center. And you stick that piece of plastic down in there, and you pull that out, and, and you let it go on the ground, and it just shoots across, and just goes wherever the hell it wants to go. <laughs> That's not what was dangerous about it. Unless, of course, you put that thing on, like if you had, as a young lad, I still had some hair on my arm and stuff, well, less than I have now, but... You put that wheel on your skin, you'll burn up your damn skin from that rubber wheel, man. That oh, rubber yeah. wheel's got to... Ow! Okay, but that's not where I got hurt. All right? <laughs> I got hurt. I pulled that thing out because... Look at all look at all them kids down there in that mm-hmm. ad. What do you see in their hands? They got that big nine... They've got that big plastic whip in their hand. <laughs> Somebody okay? whipped you in the face? I whipped myself in the face right in my damn eye. And put a freaking mark on my eye, on the Ooh. white cord of my eye. I whipped myself and actually had a spot on my eye from that whip because I came out, whap! Just had to go to the hospital, you know, had to go to the emergency room and everything. Yikes. Didn't lose my Yeah, man, because that thing just pulled out and just, you know, whap, whip! <laughs> Those things are deadly, man! <laughs> Between that, that and 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 lawn darts, it's amazing I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> I got hurt. I got hurt flying a damn kite. 
You're Who like, are well, you, Bill, Charlie Brown? Bill, Jeez. how can you how could you possibly get hurt flying a kite? Well, because I'm flying a kite, and for once in my life, I finally get that kite up there, and I'm uh-huh. like, and the the it's just going out, and and the string's going out, and the string's going out, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. This is the best day of my life. Oh, the kite, the kite is go, the you know, the kite's so high up in the air. This is wonderful, and I and I look down, and I'm spooling out the wire, and I'm spooling out the wire, and all of a sudden, pew, the wire's off the spool. It was never tied to the damn spool. Oops. So the wire, so the the twine that you know that the very thin white twine is, it's going through the grass at a very quick rate. So I run. I think I was about I don't know twelve or so. I run and I dive down and I reach down and I both hands at the same time like dive in the grass and I grab the string because I don't want to lose my kite and I don't want it to go away. Ooh. And I grab that string and grip it as hard as I can with my hands and that string just pulled right the fuck out and <laughs> tore up my hands. I Oh, yeah. I knew that where that was going as soon as you said you grabbed it. Ooh. It, it just went zip. And I'm like, ah. And open it up and I've just got this long, two blood red gouges cut through my fingers where I grabbed that stupid twine. I you, quickly you'll, forgot about my kite. You look like Quint in, uh, in Jaws when he's holding on to yeah. the rope. <laughs> I'm just like, why? Why? You know, like on my hands and knees in the yard, you know, like like uh, Willem Dafoe in, in Platoon with my hands up in the air. Ah! Hey, see, I thought you were going to say that the kite got high up in the air and then did one of those nose dives onto your head. Oh, no, that thing was gone, man. That thing was like a speck up in the sky. Because I didn't know that that stupid thing wasn't tied to the end of the spool. I yeah. never got it out that far. <laughs> yeah, Psh, gone. Lost oh. my kite. Cut my fingers up. Never flew a kite again. I was like, fuck that. I ain't flying a kite. <laughs> That's the, That shit's deadly. I'm going to go play lawn darts. We're all... Instead of that, where you know you're supposed to throw it through the rings or whatever, now we just take them things and throw them as hard as we could straight up the air and just run in an opposite direction. Hope they don't come down on us. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's how everyone played lawn dart. Yeah, yeah man, lawn dart cut kites and strings and BB guns. I got shot in the back with a BB gun one time. I I didn't even get shot directly. I got a deflection off of it off of a wall. I was hiding behind an air conditioner and. <laughs> I was playing with this, like, this super muscular mongoloid guy that was, you know, everybody had that one guy that he's really too big to be playing with the other, the rest of the little kids. Right. right? Yeah. Okay. I eventually was that guy, too. I don't know. Maybe it's just some weird thing that happens when you're a kid, whatever. So, anyway, you know, because, well, the smaller kids, we wanted to play with him because he was the big kid and was cool, right? Right. So, man, he had this BB gun. He's like, crack, 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 crack. I think he pumped that forever <laughs> and then he shot it at me and i'm behind an air conditioner so i think i'm safe but it hit the wall behind the air conditioner ricocheted and hit me in the back and went didn't go through my hurt shirt but embedded my shirt into my skin ah and he had to he popped out the bb by pulling my shirt Bink. ah man i'm telling you it was tough to be a kid in the 70s and 80s Kids don't know what it's like today. They, they worry about smartphones, man. We had shit that could kill us. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Well, I guess we should... I guess I should rate my book. Probably, complaining yeah. about my... Uh, uh, well, you know, the cover... Mm, well, the cover's just still shots. It's just a picture. 
I mean, it's done in a nice little, you know, they've got the quirky little things at angles. I mean, I mean, I'd probably buy it. I'd buy this off the shelf because I was a Star Trek fan. So, mm. but still, I'm only going to give it a C because it's just a photo. I mean, it's not that great. Oh, we forgot about the other ad with the blow up Fred Flintstone doll. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, That's all I'm gonna I, say. I, I, all I gotta say about it is that little girl's eye in that a little weird. Yeah, yeah. The other kid's like, "How much do I get paid to do this?" <laughs> and the other girl's like, "I get to take Fred home, don't I?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, but dabba do. <laughs> yeah, and that's where the Flintstones chewables vitamins. Man, those are great. Man, I take them like Pez. <laughs> He's like, I'll have another one. Can I have another vitamin, please? Hi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I've spoken too much. <laughs> yeah, see, I went from Flintstone Chewables to Die Mountain Dew. So, yeah. I Mountain Dew along the way, but, you know, then it killed me and my kidneys. So, But anyway, so the interior art, the historical figures look um, pretty good sometimes. Um, the likenesses of the crew, okay. Some of the cityscapes are pretty detailed. Uh, but there's nothing really groundbreaking here or that really catches my eye. So I, I think I still have to give the art like a C plus on, on that. Now, the story, I think I'm going to give the story like a B plus just for wackiness ah. and the whole concept, even though it's kind of bullshit. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give it B for bullshit. But bullshit that entertained me. So uh, overall, I'm gonna give it a ooh, like a C plus to a B minus for me. Okay. Yeah, I I agree with you on the cover. It, it's it's a C because yeah, it's it's a, a pair of photos, but they did have to do some work with it. It's not just the Spock from a Muck time, the inset Kirk. They did you know a little weird angles going on. But it's still photos, so yes, mm-hmm. I would go with a C on that. Um, interior art, it's almost like if the artist had a reference to work from, it's good. And if he was just trying to do it himself, uh, that's when things get weird. Like on on page 10, where McCoy is standing in front of the crowd, and he turns to Jim, you know thinking that they're in heaven. That look that looks like Sulu more than McCoy. Yeah. You know? So uh, I guess it I guess it all averages out to like a C. You know, it's it's not great, but there's some good parts to it. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with a C. And the story, I mean, if if you're talking nineteen seventy one You know, you you've had the the original series, and I I need to check and see when the animated series came out. Because hmm. I'm not sure. Let's see, the animated series came out in '73, so we're still we're not even to that level yet. So we're not at the Infinite Vulcan, the Magic Omegas two, or any any of that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it it fits in there. It's This is like halfway between the original series and the animated series. And the story kind of reflects that. It's 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 got a Star Trek feel to it, but it's on the, the wackier side of things. 
uh, I can't go I mean, too. I mean, Kirk gets punched out by George Washington. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets, like, who slugged me? George Washington. <laughs> and I got a bat, and I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to give the story a, a B minus. You know, it's 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 better than average. It's at least got some originality to it, but it's still kind of on the. Uh, it's a Spock's brain kind of thing here. Uh, so, you know, C, a C, a B minus. I'll say a, a C plus overall for this one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Sounds like we're close to it. Yeah. On it. So, well, that covers our first book. So uh, you've got the next one. And, yes, I do. Uh, we're going chronological. We jumped to 1982. Yep. And, and you've you've got the Marvel. Yes, we go to the Mighty Marvel bullpen here, and we have the Incredible Hulk, issue number 267. It's a rainbow in the... Co- oh, sorry, I'm just looking at the cover. <laughs> uh, the cover date on this is January of 1982. On sale date is October 13th, 1981, and thank you to Mike's Amazing World for that information. Our writer is Bill Mantlo, artist Sal Buscema, both credited as storytellers. Letterer, James Novak, colorist, Bob Sharon, editor, Al Milgram, and the editor-in-chief was Jim Shooter. On the cover, as Bill mentioned, we have a rather confused-looking Hulk facing off against a number of his foes, each in a different band of the rainbow. (laughs) And the text reads, wrong end of the rainbow. Inside, we have our title, What a Day for a Daydream, with apologies to the love and spoonful. Which I didn't get as a kid. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't either. <laughs> uh, do, you, do, do you have the ads? You've got the ad in your copy, right? Or I do. I do not know. Oh, uh, yeah, because I've I've actually got the the ad, and like the first ad on the inside is BJ and the Bear <laughs> model truck. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Inside we have our title. What a day for a daydream. The Hulk is being led rather calmly into position in front of the gamma ray projector in Banner's secret desert lab by Betty Ross as Rick Jones works the controls. With Rick's mention of Banner, the Hulk starts to get angry. Betty tells him that Banner is a part of the Hulk, a part that wants to be free. The Hulk, however, doesn't want to be sent away. Rick finishes the preparations during this conversation and drops a foot-thick lead shield between the projector and himself and Betty, then throws the switch. The Hulk cries out in pain that Betty lied to him. The rage is short-lived, though, as Dr. Bruce Banner has taken the place of the Hulk. Banner is exhausted and is carried to a cot, where he immediately falls asleep. Betty then decides to take the car into a nearby town to get supplies. Rick watches her go, admiring the rainbow he sees in the night sky. More on that later. <laughs> we jump over to the town that Betty is heading for. Its name is Dustball, with a population of 652. And they uh, Wait, wait, I think that's 651 because uh, Old Man Smithers died or something? Ah, uh, oh, yes. They need to repaint the sign. And the entire... Oh, wait, po- no, it was Widow Perkins. Sorry, sorry, Widow Perkins. <laughs> uh, and almost the entire town seems to be in the grips of depression. Like the Billy Joel song, it seems as all of them have had their dreams slip away from them as they've gotten on with the business of day-to-day life in town. 
During their introspection in the town diner, the aforementioned Rainbow touches down and a golden figure walks out of it, resplendent in a jean jacket and red headband. Hippie. <laughs> he proceeds to the, the diner and promises to make everyone's dreams come true. With a wave of his hand, everyone in the diner, the diner itself, and even the whole town are transformed. No longer are they in a sleepy, run-down desert town. No, now they are in an upscale community where everyone is young and well-off. In golden... the desert. In the desert. Still. <laughs> the Golden Stranger then leads the townsfolk to the drive-in theater. Yes, they still existed back then. They still exist now. Somewhere. Hard yeah. to find. There's one in Jersey, I just haven't been to it. And there's, there's, one, there's one in my county. Ooh. At least there was. It is during this procession that Betty drives into the town. Seeing everyone dancing towards the theater, she thinks that they're all crazy, but follows to see what's going on. The townspeople grab her and take her to the stranger, who's up on the stage in front of the screen. She resists until the stranger transforms into Bruce Banner, free of the Hulk. I always thought Betty was a brunette. Uh, it, anyway. It, de it depends. Uh, in uh, in the comic, she's typically a blonde. Uh, in the 82 Hulk cartoon, she was a brunette. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Because even later in this own book, I think she's portrayed as a brunette. But a flashback. But anyway, we'll... we'll, 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 we'll blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I just jumped there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there. I'll shut up. Okay. Betty embraces the stranger as he looks up into the sky and whispers, Well, teacher, how am I doing? Back at the cave entrance, Rick finally realizes that there shouldn't be a rainbow at night. Wait, what the f <laughs> <laughs> Took you that long? Dummy. Boy's a little slow on the uptake. I'm Rick Jones, bitch. <laughs> I'm not quick on the uptake. He rushes to wake up Banner, yelling and screaming about how Betty is in danger. He's shocked. Shocked, I tell you, when Banner changes into the Hulk. Right. The Hulk leaps off to the town with Rick running after him. Hulk finds everyone in the drive-in and approaches the Golden Stranger, who the Hulk knows as Glorian, the Dreamweaver. Call of Glorian, Glorian, Glorian. And... Oh, wait, that's Glorian. No. Uh. Oh, wait, wait. G-L-O-R-I-A. No, that doesn't work either. Mm. It's a nice Glorian! Sorry. Whatever. <laughs> this causes Betty to question how the Hulk and Banner can both be at the same place. So Glorian touches the Hulk's forehead, putting him into a dream that Bruce Banner has always been the Hulk. This doesn't last long as the Hulk shakes it off and, predictably, gets angry. Glorian then makes the townspeople appear to turn into the Hulk's villains. And the Hulk into each of the townspeople's real selves. Everyone charges in just as Rick arrives in the town, where he is met by the Shaper of Worlds. Meanwhile, the Hulk is making mincemeat out of townsfolk, including <laughs> Betty, who he now sees as the Harpy. Hulk. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's just way too, way too close to you know probably the way it really is. <laughs> Sorry. Well, especially in a few issues' time when... Aren't they all? Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, I've... Oh. Uh, um, never mind. It's just <laughs> comic. Just comic. Uh, so, the Hulk grabs Betty and throws her, but she's caught by the Shaper. Shaper fires her a beam at the Hulk, making him see reality once more, and then treats us to 
flashback time <laughs> with the origin of Glorian in Fantastic Four number 136 and 137. Glory is at that. Glorian is actually Thomas Gideon, who, along with his father Gregory Gideon, flew a plane near a nuclear explosion. The elder Gideon hoped to acquire superpowers this way, but only got himself and his son radiation poisoning. In other words, what would really happen? <laughs> Before this affliction could kill him, Gregory was killed by Dragon Man. Thomas, who was also dying, was made into Glorian by the Shaper to act as his herald. I, I mean assistant. The story end, ended, the Shaper explains that this was a test to see if Glorian could become another Shaper when the current one dies. The test was a failure, as Glorian couldn't maintain the illusion without everyone involved being willing. The arrival of the Hulk ended the test. The Shaper then brings everyone back to reality, and re this really cheeses off Rick. Rick, Yeah, it does. <laughs> Rick goads the Hulk into attacking, but before old Jade Jaws can finish his leap, the Shaper and Glorian disappear into a rainbow. The Hulk smashes the movie screen and howls in frustration. Seemingly going off his rocker, Rick encourages the Hulk to get angry, scaring off the townspeople, and causing Betty to worry about what she can do about Rick's rages. Yeah. So, this this was an interesting one for me, because I didn't really need to reread it to do the synopsis. This was my ac actual first comic book. Oh. This, this is the one that I... I mean, we had, like, between my sister and I, we had gotten, like, Disney comics and stuff. But that was for the two of us. Mm -hmm. This was the first comic I remember having as my own. Yeah, this was my comic. And I got it when I was in kindergarten. So I really couldn't read yet. <laughs> <laughs> so this, it's weird. This one I, I remember so vividly because I read it three different ways. I read it. Just looking at the pictures, as mm -hmm. a kindergartner will do. Then when I, I learned to read on my own, I don't ask me why, but for whatever reason, I only read the word balloons. I figured that the narration boxes didn't mean anything. Hmm. Doesn't make any sense, but. And then I you know read it like you're supposed to read it. So I, I know this story inside and out. Unfortunately, I don't have that comic anymore. Um, but yeah, I've got a digital version of it, which it's, it, it, it's nice. I mean, it's on Marvel Unlimited, so it's easy to read, hmm. but <laughs> yeah. Well, to quote, to quote Scott Gardner, your copy was probably whipped to shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it, it, I know for a fact that the staples were gone from it at one point, but it, it's interesting because it, this goes to the Stan Lee idea that every comic is someone's first comic. This one happened to be mine, so you got the whole backstory of Glorian, you get understood who Rick was, who Betty was, what was going on with the Hulk, and I'm pretty sure I got this because I was such a fan of the Bill Bixby Lou Ferrigno TV series, mm. which was completely different than this. Oh, yeah. You know, but... It's it's a one one and done. It's great. You have some continuing from before where they they bring the Hulk back to Banner's lab, and yet you have set up for later with Rick goading the Hulk on and everything. But the story itself is completely self-contained, 
And I, this is probably where I get my love of the uh, Sal Buscema style of art. You know, where it's it's realistic in body proportions and everything, but he's got the exaggerated uh, movements. Like when the Hulk is throwing Betty, she just, she goes completely and utterly limp. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's... I'm just going to keep gushing unless you start saying something. No, 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 no. No, I was, no, I was letting you gush away. That, 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 that's fine. I yep. was just... I was just looking at, you know, some of the, uh, I was thinking of, like, having future knowledge of, like, where storylines go. I was looking at when when the Hulk's in his dream, and he's sitting down to eat dinner with his dad. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. With what, you know, would later be revealed, or they would say that, you know, he's abused as a child, so right. he's not going to be sitting there with his, you know, oh, yeah, dad. I mean, although that maybe that would be a dream, that he does have a have a you know good relationship with him but then the later the one i was well i mean i guess she could be a blonde there where ross is harping on him because all this time he's still the hulk but he's in like a t-shirt and then he's in school and he's in a lab coat yeah hulk he's in lab coat you know. he, he's essentially bruce banner just in the form of the hulk, of the which, hulk. yeah which also happens later in the mantlo bushema run where mm -hmm. he gains control mm -hmm. over the hulk yeah and then, um, but yeah, he's being badgered by um, Ross while he's looking at the gamma bomb of all things, and maybe that's where he kind of is like, wait a minute, like, wait, whoa, 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 he kind of snaps out of the dream. He's able to get out. He's like, oh wait, oh shoot, oh, he can still see it. Uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, that didn't work because in the dream he calls Betty Miss Ross, and that's the Hulk wakes up and says, Miss Ross, Betty, <laughs> yeah. how can you be with Hulk when you are there with him? <laughs> Yeah, so the Hulk isn't. Yeah. It, this is not the super childlike Hulk. The Hulk has some intelligence. Like he knows right. when Banner comes back, the Hulk goes away. Mm -hmm. You know, I I when I was first reading this, I thought that it was a Captain Marvel Rick Jones deal, where mm -hmm. it was they they physically switched places. Oh yeah, you know, but you know, it's just the Hulk personality being suppressed but the hulk understands that he knows what actually happens it's right. not just he doesn't think banner is a separate being that he can smash he knows he is banner he just prefers being the hulk and speaking of banner he's in what six panels <laughs> of this yeah. entire comic book <laughs> uh, is is dust bowl like the most depressing town in the oh, world oh god yeah this i mean jesus I, I made the joke about the piano man but yeah this this entire town is the piano man <laughs> yeah I, wow i think widow perkins offed herself you know <laughs> they say oh they, they they need to change change the sign to 651 instead of 652 because widow perkins passed away yeah she probably hung herself because all you people are pressing the shit out of me the mayor is just so so uh, sad sack sitting next to the sheriff who's you know mayor lyle who once tried to win a state seat and he <laughs> failed and he's here with me and sam's the cook and he could have had a restaurant but he's here with miss melville and maple and billy <laughs> la 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 and then we got the lame guy jack horn la la and the two old guys playing checkers <laughs> 
Sing us a song, you're the depressing dustbowl people. <laughs> Sing us a song tonight. You should all go kill yourselves and do us a favor so we don't have to read about you all night. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's 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 nuts, but it makes sense for Glorian to show up there because this this place is ripe for people to want to accept his dream images. I guess, but I mean, is there no happy people in this town? It doesn't. No one? At least no one in the diner. My God. Well, actually, the people in the diner, the the young boy and girl, I think they've got dreams. They're still young, but the rest of them, man, they're just beaten down by life and just don't care. Yeah, but the way they write it is that, you know, Billy thinks he looks like Christopher Reeve, even though okay, he looks like uh, Alfred E. Newman. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, and Maple Waits, who thinks she looks like Bruce Shields, looks like Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think these two are brother and sister. They just don't know it. <laughs> yes. I can see yeah. that, yeah. You know, and they're dating. That's all I got to say. Yeah. The mm, desert yeah. Was of West Virginia, apparently. And, and, and then there's... Th then there's <laughs> Sorry, the lame, Russell. <laughs> there's the lame Jack Horn, who would <laughs> not like to be lame. Well, yeah, I guess if they called me the lame Jack Horn. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and uh. old Tom Martin and Abner Perry... Who'd like not to be old? Well, gee, you know, I'm Fat Bill Robinson. I'd like not to be fat. <laughs> well, maybe I could do something about that, but but still, it's just like yeah. you know. Yeah, of course. Oh, God, you know. And and Sheriff Bates, who always hoped he'd be a real policeman. Are you not a policeman in the town? You are a real policeman. Yeah, I mean, okay. What? How much Man. more real can you get? You are a sheriff. You know, you're the sheriff of a small town. You probably you have just much power as the mayor sitting next to you. So what? The guy lost his tried to win a state office and failed. Who cares? The, the, I mean, God. to me, he tried. You know, he wasn't just sitting there. Jeez, well, man. I'd never be able to do that. And well, you guys let some golden haired hippie come in. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, Glorian, his outfit looks right out of the Hulk TV show. This looks like looks like David Bruce Springsteen. It's Bruce Springsteen walked in. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah it's it it's a fun story you know because you get you get to see all these weird <laughs> all these people especially later on when glorian changes the hulk into what they see as their old self so they want oh, yeah to and they're not up. happy with that so they're gonna oh. kill their old selves that's yeah. that's just wonderful and the hulk sees the the by beast uh Oh, what are the two guys that are chained to each other? I can't remember what. Hammer and Anvil. Hammer and Anvil, that's right. Rhino, Gremlin. Uh, oh, no, that's not the Gremlin. Oh, yeah, that's the Gremlin. the Gremlin. Yeah. And then the Abomination, Moonstone. I forgot she was like an old character. I always think she's newer because, but yeah, she's been around for a long time. And then uh, the leader. Yeah. <laughs> Stern. So wait, that's heavy metal. Sorry. <laughs> Some people might get that reference. Some might not. Yeah, and then you know the the shaper world shows up, which yeah, yeah, which is looks like a scroll with uh, sitting in the bottom half of Professor X's chair with no wheels. And who it's was? Like, it's like who, what kind of accident were you in? What kind of industrial accident did you get stuck in? And uh, he was one of the um, the enemies in the uh, Batman versus the Hulk crossover. 
Well, is it the shape of a world? Wasn't he like in a, a semi-nascent cosmic cube or something? Essentially, yeah. But he, yeah. the reason he needs Glorian is because he can't dream. He he has That's no creativity right. at all, but he has the power to do whatever. Obviously, he can't whip himself up some legs. Oh, he, he's sitting there in tank treads, and that's it. Tank treads? He doesn't have tank treads. He's just like, he's sitting in a box. What's in the box? What's in the box? Or as they would say on Switch, out of my way, box. <laughs> Those of you who don't know that, go listen to Star Wars in character. You'll eventually find the reference. Yeah, he'll be in there somewhere, right? <laughs> right right after the tree octopus. Yeah. Hey, it's a thing. Tree octopi. They're real. All right, maybe not. <laughs> They're real to Dave. That's all that matters. Yes. But, uh, I mean, the end of this, where where Rick just goes completely off his rocker, I have no idea what precipitated this. I looked in, like, the next few issues, and even then I'm kind of like, where did this come from? Because it's, like, it's kind of addressed, but I, I don't. I didn't fully read the next issue to see if it really... Um... Well, eventually what happens is... Because the whole point of this is they're trying to cure Banner of being the Hulk. Rick, see, Betty wants the Hulk completely gone. Rick wants... Just like a woman. <laughs> Sorry. Rick wants there to be a Hulk just under Banner's control. So he's he gets mad whenever Betty says, oh, we want the Hulk gone, we want the Hulk gone. To the point where, at one point, Banner, or the Hulk is fighting the ufos which mm. sounds like uh, something from uh, a british television series no that would be the it would be ufo yeah but they call them ufos in that i know yeah there was <laughs> the but there weren't they the ones that they're all like based off of some type of element no that's the elements of doom well, no that was a was that the ufos right they were like the ufos were like well, a, a villain version of the fantastic floor uh, four uh, essentially right? you've, got, yeah. you've got x-ray uh, who emits radiation? You've got isn't there one that turns into gas? Yes, the the woman turns into gas. And then there's a guy that's like metal, right? Like the thing. And what does the other guy do? The other guy, uh, he attracts or repels things, like he can repel a rock to go and strike you. So he's either Antonio Banderas or Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> But during this fight, it might not be the UFOs, but during this fight that the Hulk is having, Rick says, well, you know, if they're going to destroy the Hulk, there has to be another Hulk and exposes himself to gamma rays. Which doesn't turn him into another Hulk, people. There's only one Hulk. But it gives him radiation poisoning. And he eventually, he needs to go to a hospital and everything. But then... Because Rick is so determined that there be a Hulk that he's willing to subject subject himself to that. So I think that's where this is this whole rage about you know messing with the Hulk is coming from. But turning him on the townspeople—that's just way way. I'm inappropriate. sorry, man. Rick, Rick, Rick Jones has got issues. Oh yes. Oh yes. He's always wanting to be everybody's sidekick, and then later on he's going to actually—I mean, you know—he does do the body swapping thing with. Not one Captain Marvel, but two. Mm. And then he'll actually become a gamma-irradiated freak. <laughs> <sighs> so, shall we grade? Sure. Okay. 
starting with the cover, this is my first comic. I have very, very fond memories of this comic. I don't like the cover. <laughs> the, I mean, the, the villains look okay. They're all, they, there's six of them. They're all in their own band of the rainbow. The Hulk looks awful. The, uh, I mean, it just looks, he looks like he just got punched in the back. Who did this cover? I don't know. It, it's not Buscema. No. Was it on um I did not see Mike's a, I didn't see a listing for it on Mike's. I'll see if I can find Yeah. But it, I know that this a good portion of this era of the Hulk Buscema was not doing the covers. No, that looks like a uh, I want to say that's a Michael Golden just by glancing at it, an early Michael Golden. But uh, I'll keep looking. Okay, but uh, I I do not like the cover. I, the cover to me, it's not a it's not an F because you do have the villains look pretty good and you have a general idea of what's going on in the story. But it's a D. It's the Hulk just looks horrible. Says Al Milgram did the cover. Okay. Yeah. Mm, okay. All right. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Milgram did a lot of the covers at at this time. Because I know some of the ones that that I have are signed Milgram. And, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not for me. Interior art, on the other hand, that is straight A completely. Uh, I love Buscema, especially on the Hulk. I like him on Thor, but his, his Hulk is just amazing. The, he, he gets some really good facial expressions on the people, uh, whether they're depressed or shocked or happy, uh, the changes in Betty's face when Glorian changes into into Banner, she just goes from she goes from being angry to shocked to happy in mm-hmm. three panels, and it's this, you can tell it's the same woman but completely different facial expressions. Very very good. Uh, the gradual change of Banner into the Hulk. It's a lot like the A two cartoon, really, where you you just see little snippets of it. Or like the the Bixby TV series, you know, it's just mm-hmm. it's over three panels, you know, some bends over, some green, all green, bang, Hulk's there. Uh, the flashbacks are good. I did not look back to see if, you know, how close they are to the original panels, but it's only five panels of flashback. You right? What do you need? You know, it's less than a yeah. page. And yeah, you know, I just I I love the the action. Uh, there's decent backgrounds in it. It's not a lot of the no background kind of thing, which Buscema tends to use in the fights, like when the Hulk first tackles everybody after Rick meets the Shaper. Yeah, you know, it's it's the uh, the speed lines kind of background, but there's not a lot of that, which is good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give, like I said, give the art an A. And for being a one-and-done story, giving you all the beats you need to know who the characters are, what they're doing, why they're fighting, I'm also going to give that an A. So, unfortunately, the cover drags it down, so I'm going to, I'm going to give the whole thing a B+. Hmm. All right. Um... I kind of remembered this cover and the story, but I didn't remember the two of them being together, which you think I would, since the rainbow is the big thing in the story. 
Um, the cover, um, yeah, all, all the figures look good, but they're kind of, yeah, I mean, the villains look pretty good, but yeah, the Hulk looks a little off. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if they'd made him all like all in like white or something. I don't know. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to give the cover probably a C, C plus. Uh, the interior art, it's a nice Buscema. You know, you have the the Hulk screaming faces. <laughs> um, uh, just looking for the Shaper of Worlds real quick. I think he does the Shaper of Worlds pretty good, too. Yeah. You know, he's got that indifferent, you know, above it all look to him. He he looks like a constantly pissed off Spock. <laughs> yeah, well, because I'm stuck to a big metal block. <laughs> you know. They took my and brain and put it in this. <laughs> and I travel around on rainbows, you know. Um, so, and and he, even the 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 way that the townspeople are drawn, Busema really, the way the facial features are, you know. Everybody's depressed. You can see they've got a lot on their mind. The kids don't look depressed, but they're just stupid <laughs> you know, because they're young and they have no idea the hell that, of life that awaits them. Um, and then when they all get their dreams, you know, everybody's happy. And yeah, I mean, he does a really good job showing all the people being happy. Um, I mean, it's nice, like you said, like the subtle t touches with the way he changes Betty's face and everything. So I'm I'm gonna give the the art I'm gonna give it a a minus for me, and the story, eh, yeah I mean we'll see I think we see Glory in a few more times I don't think very many more. Um, eh, taking a look here for a second. Uh, oh I jumped ahead. <laughs> I jumped ahead looking at a few other covers real quick, so I'm not in. Riveting, riveting. <laughs> People want to hear me scrolling back through. Let's see where else Glorian pops up at. Glorian, all right. Yeah, I don't remember him showing up a whole lot. Hmm. I I think he was. I know he was in the in some book somewhere in the nineties. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, no, he was later than that because I just glanced through his. It says sometimes later, Glorian of uh, Annihilation. Oh, he, later, okay. Yeah, that's what it says. Yeah, he was in that too. So it says last days. Uh, footnotes. Here we go. Oh yeah, he's been around a little bit here and there. Yeah, he'll be. He'll come back in the Annihilation, the Nova Corps files, and I think that might be his last appearance. Mm. Oh no, he was in Annihilation. Rowan, Silver Surfer, Volume Seven. He was in Avatars, Covenant of the Shield. Huh. Yep, he pops up every now and again in stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he'll later be back in the Hulk. Generation X in the 90s. Yeah, that's probably where we saw him there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he pops up and around here and there. So, um, so anyway, uh, well, I was on the story. Um, story, I'm going to give it... Um, oh, hello, the dog's in here now. Dog, <laughs> I comment. Cat. Yeah, comment just boss hog his way in. The cat's eating his food. And my wonderful wife is leaving the room. So, You mentioned she was in the room. <laughs> uh, well, she came in with the cat. Oh, okay. The, the, yeah, she, she had to feed Alvin. You know, this is feeding time. So, um, 
story. I'm going to give the story for the, the the way it made me feel about the townspeople and everything, and really making feeling sad for the townspeople in in, in the end, because you know they had their dreams or snatched away from them, and now Rick Jones is going to have the Hulk kill them. <laughs> yeah, so, they're not having a good day. No, no. So uh, I'm going to give the story. I'm going to give it a B plus A minus. So we're looking at B plus for the book for me. All right. So we got to the same place, just different ways. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, well, sadly, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. So, uh, Gene, would you like to uh, tell our listeners where they can uh, find you? I, oh. I, I know you've been on before, but I'm sure you can put a quick blurb out. Because you know what? This Every show may be somebody's first show. Exactly. Uh, they may see that Star Trek Gold Key cover and want to listen to this one more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you can find me every Thursday. I do a blog post at thehammerstrikes.com. Uh, it's random stuff. Uh, depends on what my mood is, how busy my life is. Uh, this past week I put out something that was basically a filler cartoon because I didn't have the time or the energy to think up something. But next week will be my annual Halloween post, which should be a little bit more interesting. Uh, that I try and do without fail every Thursday. Then, podcast-wise, unfortunately, because of my wife actually having a job, I don't, I haven't been putting out any of the Hammer podcasts in the past year, unfortunately, and the Quantum Cast, for the same reason, is on hiatus, and Anime Freaks, because both Bill and I are really busy, is on hiatus. So I've I've just been popping up in guest spots, uh, whether it's on Two True Freaks or Fire and Water. Uh, or on Neo's as I've just been doing guest spots here and there, or relatively geeky. I'm, I'm, if they if they have a network, I'd probably guest start on. <laughs> so th- yep. thank you for having me on, Bill. This this, oh, was, this always, was fun. Always glad to have you on. And you and I hadn't talked in quite a long time, so it was good to get together. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been way too long, unfortunately. But we'll we'll work out some time to to get together more often in the near future. I hope. Mm, yes, I'm sure we will. So with that, uh, we will see you next week. Next time. We have no idea what will be on the docket, but something will be here. It will be uh, comic everybody... books. That'll, that's the important thing. <laughs> It'll be comic books or something comic book related. So I hope everybody has a good week. Talk to you later. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks.
and we'll see you next week. Sit, Ubu, sit.